Darlene, we need to chat about this episode's sponsor. Yes. Now, we've decided that me reading ad copy um, is an area for improvement, I guess. Uh, okay. <laughs> so how about instead I talk about what I've actually accomplished using HealthSim? So they have this award-winning set of payment tools like invoicing, virtual terminals, in-person payments. But the feature that I really like is their payment page. And I was able to work with their really excellent customer support team to build the exact type of credit and debit card payment solution that we really needed for some of our clients. So it makes it very easy for clients to pay and a nice user experience as well. And like I always say, paying people for stuff should not be hard. That is right. Your message has been heard. Awesome. So if you want to make payments easy for your clients and affordable for you, check out Helsum today. To get your first $6,000 worth of processing free, visit helsum.com slash lawyer life. That's H-E-L-C-I-M dot com slash lawyer life. <laughs> the lawyer life podcast where we seek to navigate our days with a little less stress and ideally a lot more fulfillment in this season six we focus on resetting our lawyer brains and on today's episode we discuss mentorship with the founder of mentor in law we challenge how a lawyer can best help those coming up i'm mike anderson and i'm darlene tonelli hello darlene season six it has begun Season six. That's, uh, that's good. <laughs> so it is a new season and we are coming back as professional seasoned podcasters. And as proof of that, I only had to read the intro, I think, uh, twice in this episode, coming back a little bit rusty. Mm -hmm. And I can't wait to mention that to Nisa because I heard a little bit of giggles uh, over my first fumble. So I, will, I plan to bring that up with her. Okay, you, you should for sure. I, I think that we should probably celebrate at some point our anniversary of podcasting, which is coming up on our third year. But for now, it's just... Uh, what do you traditionally get a podcast co-host on your third year, third year anniversary? What is that? Paper? Whatever. Where are we? <laughs> <laughs> New earphones? I don't know. Paper probably, yeah. Okay, I'll send you a ream of printable paper. That's always uh, good to have around. Uh, not that we should be printing things, but anyway. Well, that's a misconception. Let's work off that. So the what's well, a common thing that people think about the profession is that we print out paper like crazy. And that's not always true with some people's practices. And that is a, a small example of some misconceptions that we're going to be tackling in this season six. So uh, basically, our aim with this upcoming uh, season of regular length uh, is to unpack some of the things that seem true about the profession, but are not. Um, so today we're talking about mentorship, and we'll discuss how that uh, falls into this sort of uh, formula. But we'll also talk about things like whether the most successful lawyers are the ones who work the most hours. And what we hope to unpack is that that preconception is not necessarily true, right? That, um, uh, in fact, it could be the opposite. And we'll walk through how that's true. So I'm really excited about the way we formatted the season and what we're going to be walking through. I've said this to, Dar to Darlene, it feels a little bit Malcolm Gladwell-esque to be like, yeah, think this is the thing, but it's not. And here's why. And we were able to isolate a bunch of themes. So things that we know you could go out in any lawyer's conversation and hear sort of buzzwords or 
same complaints or things that lawyers across the spectrum observe. And yet we, we all sort of believe these certain things. But when you really break them down and actually talk openly about them, our theory is going to be, you know, maybe not. And why are we as a, as a profession so invested in all of these things that we tell ourselves? These are always the questions on the Lawyer Life pod, but we're going we're gonna to explore this a bit more this whole season. Yeah, really digging into like false narratives and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, uh, we spoke to Nisa Chopra, um, who is the founder of Mentor in Law. I'll get to her bio in a second. But in this episode, we, we talk about mentorship and what we get out of it, or at least one of the major things that I got out of it uh, was that mentorship is not you know what most folks i think think it is on its face it's not this experienced lawyer just you know pontificating about the good old days to a junior it's not a one-way flow of communication um it's not a one-way um relationship when it comes to learning or development and in fact true mentorship um is a two-way flow where both sides can benefit and both sides should consider each other's perspectives and points of view uh, and experiences. That's right. It was a a great conversation. And I've thought about it a lot. And even just considering our discussion about technology and how technology is always evolving within our practice, um, that comes in here a little bit. And Nisa just brings such an interesting perspective. So yeah, maybe introduce her and then we can jump in. Gladly. Uh, so Nisa Chopra is based in Seattle. She's a tech lawyer and founder of Mentor in Law, a digital learning platform for law students and lawyers. She just started as an Aspen Fellow and accepted a new role as an associate at Perkins Coy. Previously, she was an IP lawyer at Microsoft. And prior to law school, she worked in diplomacy and human rights at the U.S. Department of State. She also co-founded a health and wellness company. Now, without further ado, here is Nisa. Hi, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Well, thank you for being here. We're very excited. You have, I mean, that, here's the thing. Can I just say off the top, bios can get long. This is not a long bio, but you just have so much in there. (laughs) Every third word, I'm like, oh my goodness. Well, thank you very much. I I think over the years, because I've had to send in my bio to so many different places, I've, I've learned how to to sort of shrink it down and sort of get what I wanted out of there in just a couple of sentences. Yeah. And speaking of getting what you want out of a couple sentences, I did mess up the intro when with you on the line. And I did hear you ask how many, how often does this happen? And let me say, <laughs> occasionally, occasionally it happens. I think only the, occasionally, I think the lo- most often I, I nail it right off the bat, I think. But yep. there have been times where like, we've gone about four deep. Would you say, Darlene? I think so. Somewhere around there. Those are my favorites, though, because by the fourth one, it's really hard for me not to chuckle through the whole thing, which is a real challenge. Thank goodness for the mute button. Anyway, obviously, it's Friday afternoon. We're a little, uh, the week is ending. We're excited to talk to you. Tell us, so I met you, Nisa, when you reached out to me about your mentor-in-law newsletter, which I've, I've, to, I've been reading since you reached out, and I really enjoy it. I think it's an interesting encapsulation of a lot of interesting content for lawyers, and particularly lawyers new to the profession who are a good chunk of our listeners on the Lawyer Life podcast. What made you start running the mentor-in-law newsletter? Did you wake up one day and think, this needs to happen, or what was the impetus? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. So I I'm still sort of scratching my head about this, but 
when the pandemic first started, I started to get just this huge uptick of requests for coffee from both law students and lawyers. And I think initially it was just word of mouth through my mentees who were, you know, like, oh, you should speak to Nisa. She might be able to give you guidance or make a connection for you. And so I, I started setting up probably, I don't even know, I think at this point, I've talked to about 300 law students plus. And uh, I think through that, I was trying to figure out how I could balance that and also work my day job at Microsoft and sort of try to keep both going just because paying it forward and mentoring people was something that I is something that I, I, I feel so strongly about and something that I, I want to be able to do. And so I wanted to find a way to scale the advice. And I also wanted to find a way to diversify those perspectives because at the end of the day, it was still just one person's perspective and one person's story, which may or may not resonate with everyone. And so that's sort of how the newsletter came about. I found a way to be able to both scale the advice and also get the perspectives of three to five different attorneys in every single volume of the newsletter and ask them a series of questions on what they would have done differently in law school, what, what advice they have for new lawyers coming into the profession, and just the, their predictions on, on where the, the industry is headed. And so through that, it started as a newsletter, and then it sort of became events as well. And I, I felt like it was a great way to kind of continue many of those conversations that I had started in the newsletter that I could then do in like a live format with live events. and then. From that, it really kind of turned into more of just like a digital learning platform is what I'm calling it now. In this season, we're, as I mentioned off the top, we're kind of getting people to reset their lawyer brains or reconsider assumptions that the profession makes. So I'm curious from your perspective, what does the profession, in your view, view mentorship to be? And what do you think it actually is? Like, what is actually good mentorship? Are those things the same or are they different? That's a really good question. So I can tell you one of the biggest misconceptions that I have seen people make or have about mentorship or mentoring is that they seem to think that it's it's a long-term relationship or it's like a very time-intensive commitment. And it doesn't have to be. What makes a good mentor? Are there people who you've selected over the years with for your own mentoring or that you see things out there? What makes people choose a mentor? So I like to think, so I think everybody should have multiple mentors. I think there's different roles to be played as mentors, like there's different types. I like to sort of think of it as your own personal dream team or your your own board of directors, if you will. And there's the different types that I, I like to sort of have people consider are like connectors or coaches, challengers, champions, role models. And there's several different other ones too, but those are, I think, some of the types that I think people should start thinking about the types of people that they want to reach out to and sort of want to assemble for their own life. But I think the the biggest thing I think with, with mentors is, um, is setting expectations from the get-go, right? Like what, what you can do and what you can't do. I've had situations where somebody got on a, on a call with me and without even any sort of chit-chat or trying to get to know me as an individual, their initial question was, what can you do for me? What kind of job can you get me? And that hmm. that's just not the role of a mentor, right? And, and maybe there are people out there that that's what they what that's what they think of what they of what a mentor does or is. 
But for me, that that's not that's not the job of the mentor. I think some of my best mentors have been people that have not necessarily told me what to do. I think the the goal isn't to sort of create another clone of yourself. It's really to sort of help somebody step into the best version of themselves. Well, I think Darlene will disagree with the clone thing. <laughs> as previously mentioned. I was laughing. I'm like, Mike's going to love that one. He's going to just go with this. She, she sat across from me for the first time and thought, this is a blank canvas. <laughs> and I will make Darlene 2.0. Absolutely not. I was going to say about that, uh, the concept of not making the person a clone. I think that something that I've, I think is a quality of strong mentors that I've had is that they will understand that I'm a different person and say something like, you know, I would consider, or in my own experience, it's been helpful when, right? So it's just like a sharing of experience and and sort of sometimes as the relationship goes on, they can make an observation or I would ask them, I would say, you know me well, what should, what would you do if you were me? And I think that's really helpful advice giving because otherwise I, I do think that you can almost give someone really terrible advice for them. If you're trying to say like, you should do this, unless it's been a long time coming, or you've got a really good sense of who the person is. And often mentorship is quite informal. So I I think that's, that's definitely the opposite of, of trying to create a clone is the strong mentor, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think a really good quality or skill of a good mentee is someone who is able to discern whose advice they should take and whose they shouldn't, right? Like everyone's got opinions. And so I think kind of wading through the different types of opinions and knowing, hey, this person actually has, doesn't have the same type of risk appetite as me, or they're more risk averse than I am. Um, Sort of understanding like that someone's giving you advice from their own experiences and their own perspectives. And that may not be applicable to you. On that note, you mentioned that one of the main drivers for you in building mentor-in-law the way you have is to make sure there's like a diversity of voices there. Mm-hmm. Could you speak to why that's important? Perhaps obviously for the mentee, maybe also for the mentor, but in the end for the like the end result that both sides are driving toward? Yeah. I mean, I think diversity, it's, it's a strength, right? And it's, it's something that I think has been nailed into us, especially in the last couple of years as diversity and inclusion, sort of those conversations, we, we are having them thankfully in the legal profession. But I would say particularly for first generation and minority law students and lawyers, like you want to be able to find a mentor who has had similar experiences to you who you think can actually understand where you're coming from and 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 you someone you can just relate to. And so I think that kind of representation truly matters because different things resonate with different people. And for me too, I think having different types of ways to provide the information. So the written form in the newsletter with or videos with the events is also a great way to sort of reach a wider audience because people learn in different ways too. And so maybe someone is better through podcasts and audio versus someone who who needs to see it and, and wants to read about it. And so so for me, it really is just trying to to reach as wide of an audience as I possibly can. I think that's right. I think in my own, if I'm thinking about the people that I have mentored and been mentored by, 
it's been really important to me to see people who are just at the top of their game, period, that have I have very little in common with and that I uh, have gravitated towards for advice over the years. And then it was very important to me in my first in-house role, I had a very strong female boss who had kind of broken new ground in her role in a lot of different ways and was very, very giving of her time with me, bringing me up to speed on the industry. And she would, and I think this is, uh, I think she would be glad to hear this, but she would take me aside and say, you know, I observed what just happened there and here's what you need to do next time. (laughs) And I thought that was great. And the fact that she was speaking from the very same experience, that she was she was speaking to me because she knew exactly what that situation was like, that was very helpful in its own way. So I'm fascinated by that. And Darlene, you've touched on this as well. The idea that the mentor isn't there to give the single piece of advice that will solve the problem for the mentee, but rather, as Nisa, you just said, listen, perhaps offer a number of options. I think this is a different perspective on mentorship than a lot of people in the profession have. At least from my experience, what I often observe is more of that, okay, you got a problem, here's an answer, kid, there you are. (laughs) That sort of exactly what you said in, in law school, you listen for the problem and immediately try to offer that gold star solution. So I think that Rightly, you're saying it's something that mentors can learn from mentees, but also I think it has to be, that's like a good mentor to even start to appreciate that that's true. (laughs) And I I don't know if everybody starts out with that perspective. I think for some people, it's just a nice feeling to sit back, have a coffee with some young up and comer and say, oh, well, you know, I was there one day and what we did was this and and just kind of tell stories and and, and enjoy the experience (laughs) of being on that side of things. Am I off base? Or is this, is this maybe true that oftentimes folks aren't as interested in that really comprehensive sort of conversation and more on a back and forth where you're waiting to kind of tell your war stories? No, I think you're right. I think one of the things that I have seen a lot of mentors, especially older people, probably in the baby boomer generation that mentor younger millennials or Gen Z. And it's, it is that idea that like, oh, I'm going to tell you about all my stories and the way I did things. And this is how you should do it without really paying attention to that. This is an incredible learning opportunity for them too, right? Like there's so many things that the younger generation that can teach the older generation and vice versa, of course. But I don't, for my experience, I don't think that the older generation sees it that way. For them, it's just like, oh, this is kind of a nuisance or this is like, this is annoying that I have to speak to them. Like oftentimes they're kind of like forced into it through their formal mentoring programs through their firm or the company. And it really is like, if someone's not interested in paying it forward and really doesn't see the value of providing that information, and is not really interested in learning about and getting to know this other individual, it's not going to work. Like I've had really bad mentors, but I am super grateful for them because they have given me a newfound perspective on how to appreciate my my amazing mentors, but also given me this information and data on how I want to show up for my own mentees. Well, and don't we, I think we need it. I mean, I think if we put, we need to put a fine point on this because in law school, we, you don't leave with the ability to practice law, really. Yeah. I mean, I can only speak about the U.S. model, but 
in the United States, at least, like there is just a significant gap between what is being taught in law schools today and what is needed from a lawyer in the 21st century. And that I think just law schools are just doing a huge disservice to to future lawyers, to law students, the legal profession and society at large. The, the human skills that I think are truly what are going to be able to be that value differentiator for lawyers, especially in the age of automation, are things that are not emphasized and quite frankly, in, in, in many cases, de-emphasized. And those mm-hmm. are collaboration. Those are empathy. That's emotional intelligence. It's Those are the skills that truly are, when we're, when we're thinking about so many of our tasks being automated by AI, it's the ability to be a human at the end of the day that's really going to be your value add as a lawyer. I think in general, law schools really need to, if they are going to consider themselves a business, really need to start providing better customer and client satisfaction. I was not satisfied with my trusts class (laughs) as a customer. I can think of a few other classes that uh, I remember upper years speaking of mentorship. I remember an upper year telling me like, you've got to take these classes and giving me sort of a list. And I like dutifully took them. (laughs) I don't recall the question of like, what kind of lawyer did you want to, what do you want to be when you grow up? That wasn't that to the point about mentorship needs input to be helpful. Mm -hmm. I think that this, this idea that there is one rule book and you just need someone to tell it to you is, is increasingly out of date. It was out of date then. And yeah, it's funny to think about the skills that we need now. I mean, can speak to this for sure, because I think that with every generation, we bring new technology and new skills and the profession needs it. I mean, as a summer student, my first year, they were like, you're just such a great summer student. You're so fast. And I was like, I think it's because I'm the only one who uses email here, (laughs) right? Like for work, for memos, I would respond by email and it was like, oh my God, this is such an innovation. And then (laughs) I'm not even joking. Darlene grew up with the Flintstones. Yeah, this is 1999 or yeah, 1999, my first year of summer. And then in my articling year, it was sort of similar feedback, like you're doing really great and your notes are just amazing. They're so thorough. I'm like, because I take them on my laptop at the meeting, you know, like, and it was new, right? So you think that in each generation, there's a new version of that. So it's not like, it's not this generation is the first. It's that this is always necessary. This is part of our evolution as a profession. I mean, there are still, I'm sure there certainly were when I was still in private practice before going in-house, there were still partners who would get their assistants to print the emails for them and read them like as if it was correspondence. And I think the equivalent of that, that seemed crazy to me at the time, but now (laughs) people coming up behind us will make comments on like, oh, you printed that or whatever the issue is. There is this rolling technology that we, we need to, again, back to, you've got to mentor both ways because it's not really, I mean, I guess some people can successfully get the assistant to print the emails, but we've all got to just keep tabs on not becoming out of date mm-hmm. <laughs> over time. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting to be reminded about that. And I think the men- mentorship, quite honestly, is a great way to be able to provide, fill in those gaps, right? Like if law schools aren't going to change, which I don't see them changing anytime soon, quite honestly, there needs to be other ways for, for people to get that information. And so mentorship is one such way for them to do that. I'm curious, you know, kind of the flip side about talking. So I think there is, yeah, things that younger lawyers can contribute 
to lawyers that have practiced longer, but, but still as we're focusing on, obviously, there's a lot of learning that young lawyers are looking to do. I, I recall when I was early uh, after um, being called at the bar, I, um, I was working and felt a lot of isolation and eventually realized what was driving that feeling and found fixes myself, which included reaching out to some mentors that, that really did help in significant ways. When you have younger lawyers reaching out to you, and as you have, especially since the pandemic, as you said, what largely are you hearing and, and what kind of advice, if there is any, is kind of broad stroke advice that you could offer folks listening now that might be helpful? Yeah, I think one thing I have definitely heard is that for many of them, career services haven't really been super effective for them in terms of providing different career options to different opportunities. And that's that's a problem, right? Because that's that's their that's the space that those are people that should be able to have access to to make those connections and, and to provide those different possibilities and options to students. And they're just currently not doing that. And so students and lawyers who are wanting to pivot or try different things are having to now figure out where else they can get that information. And so thankfully now there are lots of different great websites and, and great newsletters like Mentor in Law and, and other platforms like Leg Up Legal, which is a mentoring platform by her name's Angie. She's based out of Dallas and she's she's working with pre-law students to to get them started early to start thinking about what they want from their law degree and just the different career paths that they can take. And so there's a lot of information out there now, thankfully. And so I would say, you know, to do your research and just start talking to people truly, like just start having conversations with, if you're interested in legal ops, there's tons of people that are doing that. Get involved with organizations like Clock, for example. There at Microsoft, we had a really robust, or rather, have a really robust uh, legal operations group, and I know, I know several of them that are really open to to speaking with the next generation of lawyers and law students, and wanting to sort of pass on what they have learned from their mistakes and and how to sort of make that space better. And so, my advice really is, if you are interested in any sort of job or you're even just remotely interested in what it's like to be a practicing employment lawyer, what it's, what it's like to be a practicing IP lawyer, like just really start reaching out to people. In my experience, I find that most people are interested in helping and sort of wanting to talk about their experiences and wanting to help in ways that they can. But as a mentee, as someone who's in need of that information, it's up to you to drive those conversations and to take the initiative. Mike probably knows what my add-on to that would be, that my, can you anticipate, Mike, what my tip will be for mentees or people seeking out mentors? Uh, I do, well, is it... There could be any. Is it that you don't want them to say, can I pick your brain? <laughs> no, well, there's, I promised I wouldn't talk about that on this podcast because I've now thoroughly aired that issue, but Yes, I think that. But I was going to say also just from like work on manners and etiquette. Honestly, it's the main it's the main thing to do. And I I think I don't mean to be like Emily Post etiquette. I mean, like, thank you for the coffee or thanks Mm -hmm. for the time. Or, you know, I think the biggest service that people can do as a would be mentee or when you're reaching out to someone is 
hey, I've read about you. I know your background. Like we're now in a world where there are fewer mysteries. I think when I was looking for mentors, it was a bit more superficial, the information that you were basing that request on. And now I feel like when people reach out to me and there is available information and they're asking me questions that are sort of readily discoverable on their own, I feel like that's a bit of, it could be better manners. You know, it's just the, the etiquette is respect the person that you're asking's time, do the, the legwork you can do without using their time and use your best manners. And if, if manners are a challenge or you're not confident in that, then, then I, would, I would learn about it. That's one of those skills that you're referencing, Nisa, that's like mm-hmm. very, very important. It's important in our profession. This is a profession of, of manners and a conduct. So I think that it's not just a nice to have, it's, a, it's fundamental. And I think it's, uh, to your point, I 100% agree with what you just said. I think email etiquette is probably another thing that law schools should be teaching, right? Like, because these first impressions, they really matter. And they, they can truly make or break your career, depending on who you're emailing and the types of opportunities that you're, you're emailing about. And so I think that's one thing that I think law schools can definitely incorporate into their, into their curriculum. But the one thing I will say about mentees is the biggest problem that I see or the biggest like opportunity that I see is mentees just not following up, right? Like for, from their perspective, it's networking is just meeting as many people as you possibly can, but that's really the wrong way of looking at it. Like you're building relationships with people at the end of the day, and that takes time like mm-hmm. to build that trust. And so you have to be able to see the long-term game instead of just the short-term, okay, now I can cross this person off my list. Like I already met them. Like that's it. when you need to talk to them or you need to reach out to them for an opportunity two years down the road, you don't want them scratching their head, sort of thinking like, who is this person? I, I, I can't, I don't, I can't place them. Like you want mm-hmm. to really kind of keep that relationship going and continue to follow up. Like, especially if like you already made the commitment to say like, oh, I'll let you know how this works out. You know, the advice that you just gave me, like actually do that. Right. And the way you can be memorable is by following up. And it sounds so simple, but so few people actually do it that like you would be really Mm -hmm. like eons ahead of most people if you actually did that. And so I always appreciate it when people reach out to say like, hey, I ended up getting that job because I took your advice on on interviewing or like the the tips that you provided on, you know, Zoom presence or whatever it was. Right. And that always makes me feel good. Like I'm never going to look at an email like that and be like, how dare they waste my time, you know, for sending something like that. So my advice, I think, to mentees really, truly is like the value of networking isn't just meeting people. Yes, of course, that is the first step. But the true value of networking is in the follow up. Well, that is a great note to leave this on mm-hmm. substantively on this subject. Thank you, Nisa, for that. You're going to stay with us while we do our goods and gripes. Yeah, sure. OK, we'll be right back. The Lawyer Life Podcast is brought to you by Interalia Law. Interalia lawyers have big firm training, in-house experience, and a wide range of expertise in technology, media, and entertainment. Our advice is business-focused, speedy, and practical. To learn more, visit interalialaw.com. That's I-N-T-E-R-A-L-I-A-Law.com.
And we are back with our goods and gripes. Goods are things we want to promote and support, and gripes are things that annoy us. <laughs> I have a good to start if you guys want me to indulge. Mm-hmm. Sure. Go. So again, this this won't be the like the hottest thing on the internet by the time this episode airs. But I just have to say the funniest thing I've seen, I want to say in years, was what? on SNL weekend update when Bowen Yang did his bit as the Titanic. Did you guys see this? Mm-mm. Oh my goodness. So basically uh, to summarize it briefly, you have to watch it, but it was like the 109th anniversary of the Titanic sinking. And so, sorry, did I say that he was the Titanic? I mean, he was the iceberg. Sorry. He appeared as the iceberg. Okay. So it's 109th anniversary of the Titanic sinking. Bowen Yang is the iceberg and he gets brought on to weekend update and he's asked questions about what he calls the sinking. And he's like, you said my publicist, you know, you told my publicist that you wouldn't ask me questions about this. I'm here to promote my album. <laughs> and so they play on that whole thing of like people who have something awful in their past that they just want to ignore to promote this other thing, which is very funny. But then when eventually he goes off and he complains about, he's like, I was just chilling and you came <laughs> and you hit me. And the next thing, like, and my best feature was my and butt and I'm it's the off. Problem. Yeah. And he's like, and by the way, everyone blames me. He's like, did people drown of iceberging? No, they drowned from, like, they drowned from water. He's like, no one's trying to cancel water out here. Anyway, it's so funny. Oh my God. It's really well done. He plays it so well. And then he finishes the bit with singing his new single, which has nothing to do with icebergs or Titanics, but it's just so funny. It's like the best, it's. comedy from three different angles and it works perfectly and i watched it so many times and it's great is it on my is it on youtube as clips for us canadians Uh, for us canadians it is there is a single rights holder in canada that uh, has it on their website okay global Uh, for the americans i think that there's different ways to to view it and those worldwide but oh find it and watch it it's great yeah i will nisa do you have a good Yeah, I have to say, I think it's been fascinating and inspiring to see the the entrepreneurial spirit in the legal industry, especially in the last 12 months since the pandemic started. That I think is something I hope stays. And it's it's something I'm so happy to see lawyers tapping into the creative, their creative spirits, their entrepreneurial minds and like, and we need more of it, because that's, that's how I think we can kind of create that that sense of wellness and job satisfaction and and happiness within the industry. And so so I'm here for that. I'm I'm really excited to see that. Yes. Mike and I are also very excited about that whole trend. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you guys are part of it, I think, with like the content creation, right? With like the podcasts and we're seeing books and and websites and and newsletters and all sorts of different things that traditionally lawyers have just sort of been like, oh, I I, I don't know how to do that, or that's not for me, or like sort of just dismissed it. And, and I'm so excited to sort of see this huge uptick in lawyers tapping into, into those sides of them. So. Yeah. And it, it begets more permission for more people to do it. Like, I yeah. think then that's yeah. the really fun thing. Cause a lot of people might be creative folks or folks with a different voice that isn't traditional to lawyering that have felt like they just need to stick within a certain mold. And now we're seeing that there's great advantages to breaking out of that. So here, here, I agree. Yeah, 100%. Speaking of creativity, my good is that my son, who's in grade one, has gotten really into this YouTube channel called Art for Kids Hub. I don't know if you guys know oh, about it. Oh, we know it well, too. Yeah. Do you? <laughs> yeah. Right. So Grab I've come your colored pencils or whatever. Yeah. 
Yeah, and your Sharpies, <laughs> which will lead to my grape. But anyway, the beautiful thing about it is that my son, who's been very, he's he gets filtered into sports. That's kind of what the, the priority is for kids, I find, or for boys, maybe. And watching, like, he's getting up early in the morning. He's putting on his YouTube. By the time that breakfast rolls around, he's got five or six drawings done. They're good. He's loving it. I'm loving it. And it's just very peaceful, this uh, art habit that we're getting into thanks to this channel. So great. And it's free and it's lovely. And uh, we're making some good art. I drew a McLaren today, like a car, (laughs) because my son picks what we draw. So I made mine sort of pinkish, which was nice. But anyway, I'm loving that. And it's just that creative thing. You'll notice how all kids draw eyes like that around your neighborhood now. You'll see it. Right. That guy who leads that draw draws cartoon eyes in a specific way. And I see them all over, all over now. Yeah. It's a good way to do it, really. Mm-hmm. I like drawing the foods. But my son likes drawing the <laughs> ATVs and all that stuff. Anyway, so we've got piles of drawings here. And today we're mailing six of them to the guy. Oh, wow. <laughs> Apparently. I don't you know. You can That's get featured. Mm-hmm. So how about, I can start with my gripe because it's related, but just Sharpies do not come out of hardwood floors when you've been spending the morning <laughs> drawing on Sharpie with Sharpies in your art class. So that's my gripe. And I have, I shouldn't have bought the Sharpies. That was, uh, I shouldn't have done that. But anyway, all good. We'll get over it. Any other, Nisa, do you want to go next with the gripe? Uh, sure. I think my gripe is, and this sort of remains a gripe throughout the nine months of the year, is just the incessant rain in Seattle. We get, we have two seasons. We have the rainy season and then we have a beautiful summer. And so I'm looking forward to the summers, but we kind of have to go through the rain to kind of get to the rainbow. So that would be my gripe. Yes, it is hard. I mean, I'm from Alberta in Canada, where in Calgary and uh, where I grew up, it's very sunny, even all through the winter. So it's bitterly, bitterly cold, but it's very sunny. And when I moved to Toronto, the gray was hard for me. And all my friends from Vancouver were like, this is nothing. (laughs) You know, you should try rain many, many days a year. So I think there are redeeming qualities to all the different weathers. But yes. I do love Seattle, though. If travel ever opens up, I hope to get back out to the West Coast sometime soon. Yeah, it's great, I think, when you can stay indoors and watch the rain outside. But when you actually have to be out and about, I think it it makes it challenging sometimes. Yes. Mike? Mine is, uh, so uh, I've been trying to be physically active, as we've discussed over the pandemic. I found things I like to do, which largely are not strengthening my legs and I have been told I need to do that and I don't like doing it it's not fun and I just don't want to do leg exercises (laughs) and that's my (laughs) gripe I just I don't like it I know I need to do it I know it's important blah 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 but I really don't like it so that's why not that's boring I already like (laughs) I already have big legs huh why is it more boring I don't because I don't I don't know. I just find it very boring. I don't know why. Um, huh. And yeah, and I'm not motivated to do it, which is mainly the thing. Yeah, I come from a long line of people with big legs. So I don't <laughs> feel like I need to exercise them. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, maybe too much detail to finish off this podcast. Okay. So Nisa, thank you so much. Great conversation. Uh, you are a pro mm-hmm. and, and, you. and you've mentioned this before we started recording. It's your first podcast. It you is. Did a, no one would ever be able to tell. We're so glad for you to join us for your first one. And I'm sure 
that judging from the litany of our past guests who have gone on to do great things, including hosting their own podcast, I'm sure you'll be amongst them to be <laughs> appearing on or hosting your own very soon. So thank you. We really appreciate it. Darlene, do you want to say anything before I sign off? No, just thank you. It was it was great. And I think it's just the start uh, or the, the growing beginning, maybe, or this, I don't know. I don't know what this the is. Beginning. It's the it's beginning. It's the beginning of, of the mentorship. <laughs> I think this is a the way. The growing of, of the beginning of the meta mentorship. Oh, no, it's Mike's movie voice. We're all in trouble. In a world where young lawyers need assistance, there's only one place to go. Mike, I think you've got a career in Hollywood. Thank you. That's his buttery voice. Oh, my God. Good way to end. Thank you, Nisa. Thank you, Mike. Goodbye. We'll talk soon. Talk soon. (laughs) Take care. That's it for this week's episode of LLP. Thanks to Inter Alia Law for presenting the podcast and to Nick Fowler for composing and performing our music. See our show notes for his website. Don't forget, we love feedback. Please comment in the review section or subscribe or like. We'd appreciate it greatly. That's it. Talk soon.